Welcome to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Micah Horvath. This podcast exists to share the stories of everyday people, to discuss the difficult moments in life, the amazing triumphant times, and the journey in between. We all have a story to tell, and we hope that this podcast helps you in telling your own. In this episode, Kip and I sat down with Spencer Owen. Spencer shares his story of growing up in the South, growing up in and out of church, and God's sovereignty. But we'll let him tell you the story. My name is Spencer Owens. I'm 25 years old, and I was born and raised in Ringgold, Georgia. I work full-time at Premier Truck Group of Chattanooga, uh, which for a lot of people they don't know is a, a Freightliner dealership, um, big semi-trucks. I'm also on staff part-time at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I uh, attend Boyce College full-time as well. Um, I'm the youngest of three kids in my family. I have two older sisters, one 16 months older than I am, and my oldest sister being six years older than I am. Um, I would say that I grew up in a Christian household where we went to church most Wednesdays and Sundays, and my parents always believed in God and were involved the best way that they could be with holding the jobs that they had at the time. Uh, my family never really had any money, and we did experience our share of hard times financially. Uh, but one thing I can say is that my parents always made sure that we had what we needed. My earliest memories of church were positive ones, but turned negative very quickly, especially by the time I entered my uh, later years of elementary school. Um, we were attending a small independent Baptist church in the Keith community of Ringgold, and remembering back now, I remember that most of my family actually attended that church for a short while. Um, we had some great times there and memories we thought would last forever until what seemed like one of the hardest hits our families would take from a group of people that called themselves, quote-unquote, the church. Um, it was so long ago now, and I was so young, that I'm not very certain of what happened to my family, but I did see and know the impact uh, it had on my parents and my sisters. What I thought was a great place to hang out with friends and learn about some guy named Jesus turned into my family committing themselves to never returning to a church again uh, because of the way that we were treated and how my family was basically told to leave the church. Um, although I've, I had experienced the effects of my family being told to leave the church, I was so young and simple-minded that I just thought it was a place uh, you know, where we would just not be attending anymore. Um, I, I never knew the impact in long long-term effects it would have on my family. Uh, from here, I, I went on to middle school, where obviously is one of the most awkward times of your life, uh, trying to be included in everything going on and uh, really just trying to establish what you want to be known for or what you want to do uh, in school. You know, you're being thrown in into, with people that you've never met. And so my sixth grade year, 
I decided to join band, believe it or not. Um, I was a little band nerd. Um, so uh, band was probably the highlight of my middle school year, middle school career. Um, I didn't do much outside of band other than being an avid outdoorsman, uh, you know, hunting, fishing, hiking, etc. cetera. Um, the only way I know how to describe my middle school years uh, is as filling or uh, as void years because there wasn't really uh, a lot of growth um, or really anything going on in my life other than growing academically or in the band program. I think I may have visited a church once or twice with my grandparents. Um, and side note, they will be particularly important people later in my story. Um, but nothing ever stuck out with me spiritually throughout middle school. Uh, in a word, I was floating, uh, just giving uh, or just living life for my next fun experience because that's all I thought there was. Uh, little did I know what God had so much in store for my life throughout my high school years. And so when I began my freshman year of high school, it began as any other except I was entering also again into a brand new school uh, with new people I'd never met. And that sense of trying to fit in, you know, rose back up, you know, trying to find your path. Uh, but the good thing was that I never found myself in any groups that were into drinking or drugs. Uh, first off, I was way too scared to do any of those because my southern mama would whoop me. Um, and I was what you would call on the more country or redneck side of things in high school. Uh, although I was still in band, um, I would just hang out with friends, band practice, hunt, work out, and continue to move towards the next good time I could find. However, in the second semester of my freshman year, uh, <clears throat> the year began by uh, losing my dog, who had been uh, a great companion in my life uh, growing up through elementary school and middle school. And then in April of 2011, the EF4 tornado that came through our town completely destroyed my high school. I believe this is where really God began to pursue me. That night I was laying in bed and all of a sudden my mom yells for us to run into her room and I grabbed the mattress and pulled it over uh, my mom, myself, and my two sisters because my dad, he was uh, working third shift at the time. Uh, we could hear the tornado on the other side of the ridge on the back side of our house like a freight train. It was li literally sounded like a freight train um, as it was trying its best to pick up our house. I'll never forget the feeling of our house lifting, <clears throat> being lifted up. With, along with the cracking and the popping as our house was set back down on the foundation as if it was never picked up in the first place. All the while I was praying to this God <clears throat> I had never had any interest in outside of the small church my family used to attend. It was an amazing event that took place. However, I never even thanked God for protecting my family while there were houses and families not even a mile down the road from mine that lost family members in their houses completely. And so later in 2011, around December, and I can remember this like it was yesterday, I had a, con a band concert one night, and my family went to eat a steak and shake afterwards in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. We were sitting there chatting after we had eaten. My parents had given me and my middle sister the news that my mom was diagnosed with stage four melanoma cancer, and it was terminal. Obviously, we reacted like everyone else, saying, oh, you know, it's just skin cancer. You'll be all right but it can be further from the truth. She assured us that her doctor said it was one of the most aggressive cases of melanoma he had ever seen, and our hearts sank. Looking back, this is the second time I could really see the Holy Spirit starting to move in my life, 
so that I could have the realization of I need a savior. However, at the time, I didn't see this because when you go through something, you don't really see the long-term effect of it until you look in retrospect. And so that was the very least of my worries because learning about the news of my mom being diagnosed with terminal cancer, it didn't fit into the narrative I had written for my life. I was always used to finding the next good time, but this couldn't, be, this couldn't have been further from that. I was confused, lost, and I believe this is when I was heading towards the turning point to see who Jesus really was. During this time, I watched my mom go through self-administered chemo at home, which was one of the hardest things I've ever watched someone go through. I'd begun my weight loss journey during this time as well, and when I first started this journey, I would run two miles a day after school. I got home from school one day, and I saw that she was resting after a day at the doctor's office, so I went on my run. When I came back from my run, she was no longer in her recliner, but I found her in the floor of the, of the bathroom, folded over the commode, because of the treatment she was given that day. This completely broke me because you see your parents as these people who can handle everything on their own, and you never think that they can't handle something. But what was happening was God was bringing me to that breaking point to where I would completely surrender to him. This was a breaking that I didn't know that I needed, and to be honest, it hurt so bad. However, my grandparents that I had mentioned earlier, this is where their impact really helped me or helped bring me to the point of seeing the significance of Jesus' finished work on the cross and the significance of Christ dying for my sin. At the beginning of the new year, which is 2012 now, they, my grandparents had started to invite me to the church they were attending at the time. They had a growing youth group, and I, had never, and I didn't have any you know, like bitterness or anything against the church or against God, so I began going with them to get involved and to get my mind off things going on at home. So once I got involved, within a month or two, I was asked to participate in a walkthrough drama they were putting on at the church, and I agreed. This drama lasted about three or four nights or so, and before this drama, God had really started to convict my heart over my sin and calling me to repent. The love I was shown from my youth leaders during this time from Jason and Robert was the love that I needed in that moment of my life because they were truly the hands and feet of Christ I needed to see and hear because without hearing the gospel preach, we would continue to wallow in our sin and live a life without Christ. On the very last run-through, on the very last night of the walk-through drama, I was saved. Salvation completely turned my life around, <clears throat> leading to only months later speaking my first sermon. Obviously, this had a huge impact on my life and gave me someone that I could put my faith in to know that my mom would be healed from her cancer. I remember times I would pray saying that I would serve God the rest of my life if he would only heal my mom. And in another year, God did choose to heal my mom, and she no longer has cancer to this day. It's amazing the promises and things that we tell God that we tend to forget. When I told God I would serve him, I didn't think in the moment or in that moment that I would be where I am today or that I would go through the things that I've gone through to get to where I am today. I ran from the calling God placed on my life for a long time. I went to Dalton State for a couple of years, dropped out worked for three or four years or so, and finally surrendered to return to school to pursue full-time ministry. And right now I'm at Boyce College, which is the undergrad program for the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I plan on completing my undergrad and pursuing my Master's of Divinity in Theology or Apologetics. 
it truly is amazing how God has turned my life around. There's so much more to tell about my life and the couple of breaking points that I've hit, but it's an amazing reminder to see how God uses all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose and his glory. Thanks for joining us, Spencer. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We're thankful that you take the time out of your schedule. Um, as I'm sure we'll get into, you juggle a lot right now. That I do, yes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being willing to share your story. Yeah, man. I'm a firm believer in that God has given all of us, all of us a story that uh, we are able to impact others to make a decision for Christ, for sure. I couldn't have worded it better. <laughs> It's like you're in seminary or something. <laughs> uh, I'm almost there, yeah. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> so has your family been back to church since whatever incident happened? So my family, um, they would come every so often. So more or less like a Easter or a Christmas service or a Christmas Eve service or a candlelight service or Things where I really push them, you know, to more or less come to church. Um, <clears throat> there for a long time, there was there was a long period of time where my dad was, um, of course, working uh, on Sundays. He he really enjoyed for some reason uh, the schedule for like uh, Monday through Wednesday or Monday or I'm sorry Sunday through Wednesday or Sunday through Thursday, uh, to where he could have you know like two or three days off throughout the week or like two and a half days off. Um, and so that kind of led my mom to not really want to like attend, you know, by herself. And of course, you know, I always said, you know, I'll, I'll more, be more than glad to, you know, walk you in, sit with you. Um, but just without that, you know, presence of my dad being there, she kind of felt, you know, out of her comfort zone for sure. I can understand that. And I, I know it's difficult even for me if I'm having to sit without Paige. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of understand the concept, but maybe hopefully someday soon they start coming on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. So has your family's past experience with being hurt by a church uh, affected how you see church now? Not really. Okay. Um, surprisingly enough, again, you know, like I said, when um, I was talking about my testimony, um, when that had happened, I was so young, and I like to use the term simple-minded, but I feel like there's a better like phrase for it. Um, I just don't know that phrase, but... Ignorant, maybe? Uh, may- yeah, maybe. <laughs> Ignorant's always you know, looked upon as like a derogatory term, but it's really not. It's just, it's just perfectly describing of you just not knowing something, but I just didn't really know like the full effect of 
um, you know, walking into a church and there's someone just like completely rejecting you and your family. Mm. Um, so I never really personally or experienced that, uh, but I saw the impact again that it had on my family. Um, but it doesn't really change the outlook because I don't want a man to... I don't want a man's actions or a man's words. Let me rephrase. I don't want to be contingent upon a man's actions or a man's word about what the word of God says and what God says and about the church of Christ. I don't want that to be a representation of God. And so I just, man is, man is messy. So we're all messy in our own way. Um, but obviously, through the finished work of Christ on the cross, God can turn that around and then again give us a beautiful story that can impact others and allow them to make a decision for them. And I believe that's what He's done with my story. He's taken my mess and obviously turned it into a beautiful message. Super cliche, um, but that's what He's done with my life. Yeah, I like that. That's solid. Uh, I know there there's a lot of people out there who have experienced some level of hurt by a church. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they will not return to a church. Um, What, what would you say to someone in that situation? There again, I would just tell them, you know, I know that the hurt is real. And this is the truth that I found out that hurting people hurt people. Mm. So it may not necessarily be just about the situation that had happened. Um, and it could be years of built-up aggression or bitterness or anger, uh, maybe not even towards you. Um, it could be towards God and maybe the things that they didn't get out of their life, their life, or maybe it could be something that they didn't write in the narrative of their life. Um, I would say, or I would encourage them more or less, you know, don't let your decision, again, be contingent upon what a man says or what a man does. Go back to the, what the Word of God says and go back to what God says, and go back to who God says He is. He says, I am. I will be the thing that you need me to be in the moment that you need me to be it. Man, that's good. Because I know I'm just watching a lot of world events unfold, and and people's perspective of of God, they're letting it be impacted and changed and shaped by the church and how they Mm -hmm. see the church. And that's, yeah, the church is a big part of our faith, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah. You shouldn't let people determine how you see God. God is how you should see God. And that Absolutely. Comes, that, that revelation comes through Scripture alone. Yeah, and like a great example of like that Scripture and like why like Jesus had so many run-ins with like the Pharisees and Sadducees is because when he said, I am, they knew that that was him proclaiming to be equivalent with God. And when Moses, or in when God presented Himself to Moses through the burning bush, of saying, "I am who I am," and so when He said, "I am," the Pharisees they were very well educated and knew what He meant by those words, and they knew that He was talking about going back to the Abrahamic covenant of saying, "I am," and I will be with you, and I will protect you, and I will unilaterally do this and bring my people out of Egypt through you, and so that's just something that. I think is very important for us to see is that God is who he says he is. So don't let your outlook on God be conformed or maligned by man. Let the word of God set that foundation for you. So getting a little more personal uh, on the same topic, 
you said you started attending a church mm-hmm. uh, after your mom was diagnosed with skin cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, did you talk to your parents about that decision um, that you were going to go back to church? I did. Um, so it was actually my father's parents who invited me to go to church. They've always, um, I would say, been the facilitator in our family going to church for sure. Um, I talked to them about it, um, but I would say that it was still like in a short amount of time to where they could still really feel that sting, even though I would say probably three, four, possibly five years had passed since then. Um, but it's just one of those things that they just had committed themselves just to not return to a church. And to me, it was seeing them attend, you know, maybe like an Easter service or a candlelight service for Christmas Eve or something like that. That's a miracle in and of itself to show, you know, God's sovereignty and to show that God is in control of anything that we face. Um, I know that may have kind of went off uh, base of your question, but I feel like that's also important for us to see the sovereignty of God. Mm. Um, But yes, I did discuss it with them. They weren't really, I wouldn't say that they were angry about it. They weren't really happy about it. I guess they were probably middle ground. I would say they were more or less okay with me going because I was going and they would rather me see, see me going somewhere in a positive light rather than, you know, going off and doing other things with people I shouldn't be doing stuff with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Like definitely I've heard stories of parents that are totally against it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's good. Uh, have you don't have to answer this if you don't okay. want to, but have you talked to them about just their faith? Like I, I have. Okay. Yes, I have. So something I didn't mention in my story, um, and it's here recently been a very integral part of like my faith. Um, so back in September, my dad had two heart attacks, and he also had a stroke with those heart attacks and also led him into kidney failure due to his preconditioned diabetes. Um, And so with all that going on, um, my dad is fine, by the way. Like, everything's good. Like, he's had multiple stent surgeries. Um, He's got one more more surgery next week. Um, It's minor, um, but there's still obviously some, uh, some stuff going on. But everything right now is good. Uh, but obviously that led to, you know, him being in the ICU for a couple of weeks. Um, my mom and our family not really knowing what, you know, was going on. Um, <clears throat> there, there was one night specifically to where, like, it was, we didn't really know, like, if he honestly was going to make it. Um, I just remember that night I was walking in the house. Me and my mom were talking. All of a sudden she's breaking down and crying. And I just sat there and held her in the dining room. Because she didn't know if her husband was going to make it. I didn't know if my dad was going to make it. Um, and so I would say it was either that night or the next night. <clears throat> um, you know, I walk into the house and, you know, I just go straight up to my mom. And I'm just like, you know, I know all this is going on. And kind of open a door um, for me to say, hey, you know, I haven't ever really talked about it, but are you saved? Like, I just straight up sit, you know, asked her if she was saved or not. And we've always kind of had that relationship to where I can walk in and I could say that, you know, and, uh, she assured me that she was saved. She told me her, you know, entire salvation story, you know, 
it doesn't, I don't think it really matters if you can remember the exact date or exact time, but just know that there was a change of heart and know that Christ and that you truly repented of your sin, knowing the full weight and actually grieving over your sin, not just feeling the guilt and the regret, but actually grieving over your sin. And I have peace knowing that I believe that my mother is saved, um, which led to when my dad was out of ICU. <clears throat> so he wasn't home for like, I would say, close to two months, two and a half months maybe, because he was in ICU, and then they had to make sure he was okay. So then that let him going into like a regular room, and they finally released him there. And he had to go do physical therapy because his right leg just would not move whatsoever. Um, and so he had to go do physical therapy for probably another four weeks or so. Uh, so it was a good solid two, two and a half months before I saw my father. Um, and uh, that also opened the door. And I've, ha I've actually had this conversation uh, with my gym owner. He's one of the most godly men I've ever met. And he had some issues, you know, with his father. And it kind of led him to open up and talk about his salvation and his father's salvation and uh, kind of like pushed me in the right direction. And so I just had always been nervous because I, I had always just wondered about his salvation. And, uh, you know, I just I walked in. I had me and my dad have had our issues. Um, I had apologized, you know, you know, beginning that conversation about apologizing for the things in the past and the issues that we had gone through. And then I opened the conversation up to, you know, you know, are you saved? You know, what is your salvation story? He told me his salvation story. Um, and so I believe that my parents were saved. I just believe that they've just allowed their decision uh, to be contingent upon um, different things that had happened in their lives while going to church. Um, obviously, they're not the only people in, that have been hurt. I completely understand that. Um, but yeah, it's led to those conversations and they've been great conversations and I've felt peace about them. Uh, so yeah, I, I thoroughly believe that my parents are saved. That's amazing. I mean, that's, that's a testimony in and of itself. I mean, I will say like, I think if you're a believer, then being involved in the local church is, is vital. It's Absolutely. crucial, <laughs> but the, the biggest, most important thing is the gospel and how you respond to the yes. gospel. So hearing that is it's encouraging. Absolutely. Um, so going back a little bit mm -hmm. prior to where we just were about you asking your parents about their faith, what was the turning point for you to get back into church? This is going to sound kind of silly, but I would say that it was kind of just the, I remember going back for the first time. And my grandparents had continually just like bugged me and bugged me. Hey, you should come to church with us. Hey, you should come to church with us. They have a growing youth group. They have a lot of young guys and they would, you know, they would just love to have you. You know, we've talked to the youth leaders about you and stuff like that. And um, so honestly, I just went to check off a box just to say, hey, I went with you one time. I checked it out and, you know, it's not all what you said it was. And so I'm not going to go back because, you know, I'm just living for that next good moment. Um, I went and I never returned. Um, I was always in that youth group. I, I was highly involved. Um, and they accepted me. Um, like I've never seen acceptance before. Like the church should actually work. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was mainly just to check off a box. 
That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool to see how God uses such small things in such enormous ways. Yeah. But he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, doesn't he? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So, do you have any advice for students that are in that place of just floating or looking for the next best thing? I would say that we all have a void in our lives. That void we try to fill with earthly desires. Um, We are such a gratifying culture that we want self-gratification and instant gratification. We want it so quick. Um, In my life, I would say that God is a God of processes. And we don't see things come to fruition, I guess, uh, in the quickest way possible. That God wants a heart change instead of just a behavioral modification so we can get what we want. So if someone is walking through that stage of life, the advice that I would give them is obviously keep praying, keep asking God for the right direction, for the right guidance, the Holy Spirit to reveal the right things to them. But I would say don't give up because there's more out there and there's more that God can do with your life than you think could ever happen. Taking it back to the tornado that you experienced. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, I'm sure last year here we had another one that had to be yeah, man. flashbacks for you guys. Do you remember the prayer? Was it anything specific or was it just kind of for protection or safety in the moment? I just remember being insanely scared. Um, just, I think I just remember it just being, you know, God, just please protect us, protect our family. I think that was literally it. Just saying it over and over and over again. Did you experience any peace during that? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair, but... Um, I wouldn't say that I did, because during that time, I wasn't safe. Yeah. Um, Honestly, like, if if you had, like, that moment to where, like, you stopped, like, someone just hit, like, the pause button, and it was, like, going in slow motion, and if someone just were to, like, walk up to me, like, during that time, and they were like, if you die right now, are you going to heaven or hell? I can tell you right now, 100%, I didn't know. So if you didn't know, then more than likely, you know the answer. But so, no, I did not have any peace whatsoever. Well, and that leads me into another question I have is how do, how do you deal with trials now versus prior to salvation? Man, that's a great question. So there was a time in my life, and this is going back to the processes that I was previously talking about. There's a time in my life at the age of 22, I'm 25 now, um, I moved out of my parents' house. And that was one of the hardest times of my life. I had gone through a relationship and it had completely broke me. Um, And so I felt just completely lost, um, you know, without being in a relationship, without having the contentment of Christ. Obviously, again, having 
wanting to have that instant gratification. So trying to find it through a person instead of finding it through God, through the process of him taking you through that. So having that void in your life, again, I believe that we have, we all have that void in our life to where only Christ can, can fulfill. And we try to find different ways to fill that void, whether it be with pride, it can be with, honestly, with anxiety, it can be with depression because we, we characterize ourselves with depression so much that it becomes comfortable. And so we don't, we self-sabotage ourselves so much that we don't want to come out of that and go out into something uncomfortable to where we could actually grow into Christ and allow him to fulfill that void. Um, so I would say that going through that dark, dark, dark time in my life, I remember one night <clears throat> specifically, I just couldn't sleep and I had tried everything like filling my life or that void uh, with everything but God. And <clears throat> I specifically remember going out on the side porch that we had, sitting on the stairs outside, and just telling God, <clears throat> if this is it. If this is all that you have for my life, then I'm done. I wasn't like suicidal or anything, but I was just done. And I, I just told him I was going to give up. I was going to quit. And literally in that moment, peace just came over me. And... It literally showed me how like immature that I was in my faith, and I felt so entitled to these things that I was trying to fulfill my life with, with other people, with people groups, with everything but Christ himself. And Christ himself can only fill those voids. And so, obviously, I feel like we'll, we'll always have that void. We'll always have a void in our lives until we're with Christ and he completely fulfills that void because then we'll be like Christ, we'll be whole. Um, but I deal with those issues and things in my life now in the way of remembering that God does bring and produce fruit through these processes. And so, you know, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are so many fruits. And so, you know, it helps me to remember that he's bringing those and manifesting those fruits. And it also helps me to think, you know, what fruit is he, you know, trying to help me manifest? Um, but being in his word, man, being in his word has opened my eyes and has given me such peace because it's something that if you meditate on day and night, then how blessed are you? How, how, how much more are you in the beloved? And so just knowing that God is the God of process and that he's not just microwaving your life, but he's legitimately oven baking your life and he's going to make something, he's going to make a five-star meal out of your life. That is the worst, absolute worst analogy. But man, <laughs> it makes so much sense in my head. <laughs> Forget beauty from ashes. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> glory to glory, baby. I, I haven't eaten dinner yet, so I'm really hungry now. Uh, oh, well, I think that I think that leads into my next question yeah. pretty well. You know, between the tornado and and your mom's cancer diagnosis, yeah. and just sitting here thinking, I remember uh, an accident that you got into. But all all of these things, you know, it's evident that you've you faced issues in life Absolutely. that are way beyond your control. Mm -hmm. And I want to know how these moments have shaped your view of God's sovereignty. 
What a great question. So to me, it shows, going back again to I am, going to who God says he is, knowing that how providential God is and how he sets that hedge of protection over you when you know you're sitting there talking about like the tornado or when I literally flip my truck off a mountain. <laughs> um, yeah, it shows how providential he is, man. And how everything is legitimately wrapped in his hands. So going through those issues, I didn't know it at the time. And looking back in retrospect again, seeing how in control he is. And so like in the most recent issue, or I would say problem in my life, was, you know, my dad going through uh, the things that he was going through and us literally not knowing if he was going to make it. And there's a... I feel like God brings you to a point uh surrender again with God being a God of processes uh seeing that there's so much peace in surrender knowing that I am so imperfect and knowing that there's nothing that I can literally do and literally having to lean into God like I never have before there is so much peace in that. There's so much peace in that. And there's so much comfort knowing that the God of the universe, the one who became a curse for us and died on that tree so that we could inherit the free gift of salvation. So if we can believe him or believe in him and have faith enough for that, for our eternal soul, why can I not believe in him and have faith in him and trust in him enough? to be able to, I guess, more or less heal my dad or have healed my mom from her stage four melanoma cancer that was terminal and to kind of like add to that situation, the tumor on her back was the size of a basketball. Like, who can do that? Like, man cannot do that. That is legitimately 100% God. It is I am. He is who he says he is. He is our healer. He is our protection. He is our providence. He is our sovereignty. Like There's no other. It is God. He does bring us from glory to glory, and I believe that he does that through processes. It's not through instant gratification. It's not through us gratifying ourselves. It's not through our desires. But once our desires line up with his, then and only then I believe he'll give us the desires of our hearts because then our desires are his. Amen. That's good. Yeah, I mean, sanctification is a slow process. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's good that it is a long process. Yeah. Because if, cause if you read the Psalms, right? So if you read the Psalms, you know, David wasn't always exuberant and bursting with joy. Man, in some of those Psalms, man, he gets raw and he gets right down to it. He gets super real. And sometimes he tells God, hey, man, this situation, I hate it sucks but i still trust you your law is a delight i will meditate on your word day and night i did not mean to rhyme those words but uh, but it's so true and those are words that we can hold on to and that we can hide in our heart and use as that lamp to guide our feet and so it's so true that we can lean into i am yeah that's good i mean 
makes me think of like he works all things together for good for those who love him and that's a message that absolutely right now in this season a lot of people need to hear absolutely everyone looks at the world right now it's like stuff's dark dude it is stuff is getting dark especially when i've heard multiple stories man of people having covid and they're in like icu and they're in isolation and a lot of people are just super depressed and they can't see any anybody. Like the only people who come in there are like doctors or nurses in legit ha- hazmat suits. Yeah, you can't. I was talking to a friend who had it and is in the hospital and said you can't see their faces. Yeah. They they can't touch you. Yeah. Like you're totally cut off. That is so dark, man. Yeah. I'm reminded that light is most effective in the darkest of places, though. Yeah. yeah. Um. So with your current view of God's sovereignty, do you? ever struggle with trying to write your own narrative again? (laughs) Man, what a question. Yes. I would say that there are times when I feel like I can pick the reins back up, Uh, especially if the situation is very simple Um, or it seems simple on the outside. Um, But really on the inside of that situation, uh, and we can go to like First Samuel for that, you know, when uh, Samuel's looking for the next king of Israel and he looks at the older brother of David and he said, do not look on the outside for God doesn't look on the outside of man, but he looks on the inside of the heart. So if you're looking at the situation, it doesn't even have to be a person. If you're looking at a situation in that light, you can be severely deceived. And I have been several times. Um, and so obviously I'm not perfect. Like, I still struggle with that, and I struggle with uh, pride um, because that's it. Because I I want control. Like, I really want to have control of my life. And God has shown me I'm not in control, man. Um, So, yeah, it's it's very easy to, to slip back in to that rhythm of trying to pick those reins back up um, and try to or in this case, to go along with analogy, to pick the pen back up and start writing. Um, But God will humble you. God will humble you, and not to just humble you just to put you in your place, but he's humbling you for his... He's humbling you to... To fit into his narrative? Yes. To fulfill his narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the times that I let go of control yep. there's so much more freedom in that dude there is and it's just like why would i go back and try to pick that pen back up when god clearly has humbled you and you do it anyways and you know how it's going to end yeah i still do it's like yeah. the definition of insanity man <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um so going back um to to your mom's battle with cancer mm-hmm. just out of curiosity what does self-administered chemotherapy look like from her yeah. perspective, but also like from yours? So basically all self-administered chemo was when, obviously when she took it again, this was back in circa 2011 through 13. Um, she had to go through a year and a half of self-administered chemotherapy uh, vaccines or shots. Um, I don't know if vaccine was the correct word, uh, we're going to go with shots. Um, 
So obviously, chemotherapy is basically just destroying your cells. It's destroying <laughs> your body. Um, it's killing literally everything in your body, even the healthy cells, along with the bad cancer cells. Um, I would say in her perspective, it was, I would say that was probably one of the darkest times of her life, not knowing if she was going to survive, um, because the doctor did not give her a very good chance because it was that severe. Um, it was really hard on my perspective to see my mother go through times of, you know, the self-administered chemo shots and the radiation that she had to go endure. Um, and, you know, the day or so before that and the day of that, you know, she she seemed completely fine, but then the day afterwards um, is she's a completely different person. Super sluggish, super tired, very, very nauseated, sick. Um, it's something that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, man. Uh, it was super hard just to see someone that you're so close to and that you love so much just sit there and suffer. And I felt that suffering. Like, I feel like I shared in those sufferings, but I kind of didn't at the same time. Um, but, you know, when you get on the subject of suffering, you know, First Peter 4.1 says that we are called to the same mind of Christ in suffering. And so what does it look like to share in those sufferings of Christ? I believe it looks like whatever it needs to look like to present the story or present the testimony of Christ or the message of Christ because we are commanded to go out and make disciples of all nations, but he didn't necessarily tell us how that's supposed to look. And so if we're sharing our sufferings, if we're called to the same mind as Christ, and kind of goes along with this, so First Peter isn't, a lot of people think that First Peter is just about Peter talking about suffering, but it's not just about the suffering. It's also about triumph, and it's about Jesus Christ triumphing, so then there we, therefore we have the hope that we are also going to triumph. So if you're in the middle of suffering, I would encourage you that even through the times that I was going through suffering, I was super immature in my face, so I didn't understand that at the time, but I would encourage you now, and then now that I see that it's not just about the suffering. It's about what is God doing through this process of the suffering what, how is it going to allow me to grow in Christ? And how is it that, or knowing that these trials and these sufferings are only temporary, but we have such a, a glory that is beyond all comparison, as Paul says in Second Corinthians 4.17, that, that just awaits us on the other side of, of our life here. So, I mean, just looking forward to that end goal and just pressing towards the mark of the upper call of, of Christ Jesus. So you definitely say it was, it's important to go through suffering. Absolutely, yeah. I believe it builds the character that we need as Christians, hmm. for yeah. sure. Consider it pure joy. Amen. Easier said than done, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, completely... Switching topics here. Okay. <clears throat> this drama that you were in. Yeah. Like a skit or... Yeah, yeah. What was it about? And... Okay. What about it did God use specifically to you to, to just really get a hold of you and, yeah. and, and save you? Yeah, I love that question. Um, so basically, the drama was just about um, this family. They were going through 
uh, I wouldn't say going through it. I would, it was about a family who was attending church. Uh, they had a child who was very faithful with a mom, with a single mom, very faithful in attending church with her mom, who was struggling. I also had a child who was very reckless, very careless in what they did and with their friends and different stuff like that. Um, and so, like, the big lead-up uh, to this, I would say, uh, walk-through drama uh, was the the child who um, didn't really pay attention in church, always was that teenager who, like, would make fun of others and stuff like that and would go out and do the wrong things with the wrong people. They get in a car accident, and they pass away. Um, so they give a scene of... At the end, after he passes away, they give a scene of heaven, and then obviously the person who plays Christ or the person who plays God, I can't remember, um, they send him to hell because he didn't accept Christ. And so then there's this big uh, hell scene in the back of uh, the baptistry that you walk through. And so it wasn't like that I was like scared by that or anything. Simply enough, I just wanted to stop cussing. And there was an older gentleman, and I know that's funny, like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like you have this huge scene, this huge build up to a climax during this entire drama. And this older gentleman, he was in the army and he went to Vietnam and he told us his story. Like they bring you to this side room, you know, they say if he wants to accept Christ. But before that, they tell a story of, you know, he went to Vietnam and he wasn't saved. And he comes back, and he wanted to marry the girl that he loved, uh, but he just had a really bad sailor's mouth. And honestly, that was an issue that I struggled with for a long time, um, especially growing up in the high school that I grew up in. It's not the high school's fault. It's just a group of friends that I chose to hang around. And uh, I just wanted to stop cussing. <laughs> um, and I just, he said that if, if you want to stop cussing or if you want to stop doing drugs, if you want to stop doing, you know, drinking alcohol, then walk to the back and, you know, talk to someone and they can lead, you know, lead you to Christ or they can answer questions that you may have. And so I'll walk to the back and like, man, my heart was beating, bro. I'm telling you, like, I was super nervous, super convicted of my sin. Like I felt legitimately all the weight of that sin. Um, and I was ready for a change. Like, I was just, it was all leading up just to that moment. And as soon as I accepted Christ in my heart, man, um, it's like this weight just, there was no weight on me whatsoever. It, it felt like a supernatural change happened in my life. And I didn't understand it. I didn't know everything about the Bible all of a sudden. I didn't... Um, I wasn't some huge theologian or anything like that, but man, all I knew was that Jesus saved me, saved me from my sin. I didn't have to go to hell and I could stop cussing. That was it, man. It was that simple. That's awesome. And and just going to reiterate what I said earlier. He takes the seemingly simple and does the astronomical oh, with man. it. It's, it blows me away. So going through that and, and being involved with church and, and God getting uh, a hold of you and, and just leading you into salvation. Yeah. Now, going into seminary yeah. at Boyce now, what do you hope to accomplish in ministry? 
man, I really hope to, um, I really hope to accomplish wherever God wants me to minister. Um, people ask me like specifically, like where would I go or what do I really want to do? If I had to really put a, like a title on it, which I don't really like to because it's always subject to change because God will have you where he wants you. Um, obviously we can look back at the story of Jonah and like how reluctant he was to go and preach to the Ninevites, um, who were super sinful. And he just thought that they should not be able to receive any kind of, um, justification for their sin or, or a pardon for their sin or anything, the way that God wanted him to preach, you know, to them about their sin. Um, but man, if I had to put like a title on it, I would say uh, pastoral counseling, uh, teaching, pastor of some sorts. Uh, if God so puts me in a senior pastor position, then, you know, whatever. But um, I'm really open to anything. It's it's obviously subject to change, man. That's good. I know since I've started seminary myself, that first semester, that was one of the things that was pointed out to us is yeah. like, if you're if you're here and planning to go into some specific ministry for some specific <laughs> title, then you're here for the wrong reason. Yep. Yeah. Your plan should be to teach the word yes. and to share yes. the gospel wherever you end up, whether it's on a production line, yeah. whether you're a teacher yeah, yeah. in a classroom or you're behind the pulpit. Yeah, absolutely. That has to be your goal. So Because you live the gospel, right? Yeah. Mm. And so it's like one of these things, like to add to that, it's like one of these things that again, I'm going back to the the God it, that God is a God of processes, and so a lot of the times, like I've, what I've found in my life is that God brings me through certain situations and certain processes to learn a certain thing. And you think He's preparing you for one thing, but it's a completely separate, completely unrelated. Yeah, yeah. it's completely un- unrelated to what you just went through. But although it helps you in what He's preparing you for, actually, only God can do that. Man, God is so sovereign; He He orchestrates everything. And it's all, it's all for his glory. Amen. So what, what advice would you give to someone who feels called to serve in ministry, like we said, just wants to teach the word, just wants to share mm-hmm. the gospel, but is fighting that or just running, running away, away from, from that from calling? It? Yeah. Stop running. There you go. So we can go back to Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> you could end up in a well, quote-unquote, since um i feel like that's what i wound up in especially when i that night um that i told you that i just had explained about where i literally tried everything uh to find a purpose all on my own even though god again he's sovereign and he orchestrates everything for our lives um quit running just quit man because it's going to leave you tired it's going to leave you confused it's going to leave you lost and it could potentially lead you to a really dark place if you don't turn to God who orchestrates everything for your life. And I would say give in to the calling because he could have so much more for you. Because he can do imaginably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Immensely more than we could ever ask or imagine. And as soon as I turned over my life to him, instead of trying to seek my own purpose, Instead of trying to be quote unquote self made like a lot of people are today, man, it just felt like all these opportunities and all these responsibilities 
people say like responsibility is a bad word and like you have you're held responsible for this no it's you know i've heard it said like this that work looks or opportunities look like work and they're dressed in overalls it's true but if you commit to it and if you commit to the calling that god has on your life god will open those doors man and I have been in such a great place ever since. Even though I do go through trials and through sufferings, man, it's so much better going through it with God. So I would say quit running. Just give in to God, man. It's You will have so much more peace up here about your life. That's good. That's good. One last question. All right. Why do you think it's important for followers of Jesus to share their testimony? Like Revelation 12, right? Or is it 11? Isn't it 12, 11? I think it's 12, 11. Yeah. Because we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Um, And even something else. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and whip out First Peter real quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> no apologies needed. Um. It was right there in front of me. That's great. First uh, Peter. First Peter, nine through ten. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So just like verse 9 says right there that they are the same sufferings that your that your brothers go through. So things that you go through are new to you but they're not new to the world. Cuz there is someone who has experienced the thing that you're going through. And so I believe it's important to share our testimony cuz obviously number 1 we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But number two, to encourage your fellow man and to your, to your friends and maybe people that you meet along, along your journey who need to hear your story. Because if they hear your story, then they can hear something. Because I believe that we learn best in stories because, you know, what's the Bible? It's written in stories. Um, and so I believe it's, very important because it could encourage someone. They may need to hear your story because it could encourage them to take that step into ministry or it could make them or facilitate them into taking that step to get out of an abusive relationship or out of being an alcoholic or being a drug addict. Because you never know the impact that your story could have on someone to make a decision for Christ. God has given all of us a beautiful story. And it <laughs> all of our stories are different, but they're the same because we're all messy, dirty, rotten sinners. That although while I was at the bottom of the ocean of sin and trying to swim away from God, He still reached down, picked me out of that ocean of sin, and saved me. And so if God can do that for me, God can also do that for you. So I believe it's very important and very significant to share our testimony because it can help someone turn to Christ.
How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10, 14 through 17. Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. Just search for underscore MV podcast on any platform. Again, that's underscore M as in mountain, V as in valley podcast. This podcast was created and produced by Kip Wilkinson and Michael Horvath. This episode was mixed and mastered by J.A. Parkey. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story. Romans 14 through 17. Oops. Romans 10, 14 through 17. Why don't you just say re- the, the, the verse reference? Everything else is and we can small. edit. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can edit. Wow. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> you had one job, Spencer. There's not even a Romans 17, yeah. bro. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find it. Mm.